Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Everybody doing well? I'm going to talk to you just for a second before I jump into the message. Um, I'm going to talk to you as residents of Eldoretta, Arkansas. We need to be aware that our city needs Jesus. I'm not talking about a typical, just hope some people get saved type thing. We need revival. We need the Holy Spirit to step in and do his thing in our city. There is, um, I've been here 13 years. Some of you are lifelong residents. Our leadership, the governmental leadership of our city is more divided than I've ever seen it. They are fighting with one another. They are bickering and complaining with one another. And I don't care what side politically uh, you stand on. There, it's not just, there's not just a good display of the character of God amongst the leadership of our city. That's not an individual person. That's a bunch of them who are arguing and fighting and getting on the news and writing, writing articles. And you can vote however you want to vote, but my, my vote is a prayer that God would uh, restore unity to our city. I've always prided myself on the fact of living in a culturally diverse city that didn't act like a bunch of crazy people. And I want, I want to see that be maintained. I want to see that sense of unity maintained in our city, okay? The second thing is there have been real attempts um, that have been thwarted. Somebody say praise God. But Wednesday in the paper, if you read the paper, there was a, uh, a group of young men, about three of them, uh, two of them were minors, who had modified some uh, pistols become automatic, fully automatic pistols with lots around it, and were headed to the fair to shoot up the fair. And somebody gave a tip, and they guys were arrested before they got to the fair. So praise God. The things I'm talking about: uh, political unrest and mass violence. Uh, yesterday, somebody told me before church yesterday there was kids playing up at the splash pad, and gunshots were going off, and they were hiding. I'm not talking about CNN headlines. I'm talking about Eldorado, Arkansas headlines. And the answer is not in politics. The answer is in Jesus Christ. And the answer is not on the other end of a finger. Pointed at somebody and say, well, you do this or you do this or you don't do this and you don't do this. The answer is inside of you and his name is Jesus. And if we really want to see El Dorado, if we really want to see this city that we love, it's very easy to be part, it's very easy to think that the grass is greener on the other side and, you know, the the other places it's not like this. It's like this all over America. And we need revival where we live. The answer is inside of us. Let's do something about it. Which brings me to the book of Acts. God has had me putting certain things back in order. Um, For instance, we started with the purpose of our gathering with encouragement, the Father's heart, and uh, understanding and establishing a baseline with the Father's heart. We talked about getting back to a lifestyle of repentance. And today, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk to a bunch of Holy Spirit 
Spirit-filled people. Raise your hand if you are full of the Holy Ghost, okay? Holy Spirit-filled people, and we need to reset in order and establish again what it means and why we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to a bunch of charismatic Pentecostal people, and let's set this thing straight for a second. If I'll jump forward to one verse, I'm going to, let me jump forward to one verse. I'm going to jump forward to verse 31, brother. I want you to throw up verse 31. Okay? Verse 31 says, when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. I don't believe this is a figurative shaking. I believe literally God shook the building where they were gathered. And I believe that it was a service that they talked about for the rest of their life. And I believe it was a service that we're talking about thousands of years later. Remember that prayer meeting where God showed up to the point the place shook under the power of God. And it seems to me as if us as Pentecostal, um, charismatic, spirit-filled believers we're after and we want to see and be a part of those services where God shakes the building. Amen? Amen? But I think we've kind of forgot the reason the building shook. I think like we get into this mode, all of us tongue-talking people, we get in this mode where the end of the day we need to have this experience with God and that's the goal. And the experience with God is meant to produce something in you. It is, a, it is a weird thing that we come together, we experience God, our lives are touched, our lives are impacted. We walk out of the room and say, wasn't that powerful? But our lives remain the same. And we do the same things we've always done. I'm not talking about sin necessarily. I'm talking about has God ever moved on your heart in a service where it changed you to the point you decided to be part of the change where you live? That's what happened here. So I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to go all the way back to verse, let's see. Let's go all the way back to verse 23. Let me set the stage for you. The Holy Spirit had been poured out in chapter 2. The day of Pentecost had come. Peter preached a sermon. Thousands of people are getting saved. Uh, the people that are getting saved are building the church. They're discipling. They're, they're, they're having all things in common. They're doing, this, they're doing this New Testament Christianity. Peter walks by, and um, he's on his way to the temple, and he sees a man who is a, uh, crippled, and he says to him, Silver and gold have I none, right? He didn't listen to Danny's sermon. That was a joke there. He didn't listen to Danny's sermon. All he had was what, he didn't have any money. Now let me just stop right there because there is this idea that, I mean, I'm just going to be real with you for a second, okay? Uh, there's this idea that we use this scripture as justification not to give money. Silver and gold have I none. He literally didn't have any money to give him. That's why he said that silver and gold have I none. It's not like silver and gold have I some. I just don't want to give it to you. <laughs> silver and gold have I none, but I do have something that will help you. And so there's two sides. It's like, well, you know, we, all I have is money. We don't need the spirit. The other side is all we have is the spirit. We don't need to give money. Lord, the truth is in the middle. If you have money and if you have the spirit, give them both. Well, I didn't think that would get much of an amen. 
Let me just tell you how real an offering can be. Is it can change your life. It can literally change your life. And a giving of money can change somebody's life. And I'm going to be, be very, very real with you for a second. I've got scheduled on this Thursday an appointment to go see an audiologist and get fitted for hearing aids. Y'all got more excited about that than people getting saved. I've needed hearing aids my entire life. I was born 50% deaf. And at a, as a kindergartner, I lost one of my $2,000 hearing aids on a playground. And, you know, we didn't have no money. And so I, I got real upset. And I decided I ain't wearing hearing aids. And I figured out how to live without hearing aids, you know, for the last 40 years or plus. And, or not, minus, 40 minus. But I lived I, for the last 40 years. And so uh, enough is enough. A man needs to be able to hear a deer walking in the woods. Oh, and his wife speaking. Yes, whenever she wants to tell him something. Yes, that's true. Uh, that was that was funny. But but my point is is that um, my point is is that listen to me. Hearing aids aren't cheap. They're they're several thousand dollars. Silver and gold have I none. But somebody had some and took me to lunch the other day and said, "I'm going to pay for your hearing aids." Well. I will take it. <laughs> I want to hear it. This person asked me because I was reluctant to take the gift. And they said, do you want to hear? You know, you know, you know <laughs> that question bothers me. Do you want to hear? Yeah, I want to hear. That man wanted to walk. And sometimes you can do something powerful with a monetary Money gift, and sometimes you can do something powerful with the Holy Spirit inside of you. But here's the greatest tragedy that the American church is living in right now is not giving the money or not giving the Spirit and keeping it all to ourselves, thinking it's meant for a good time with God. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. See, the Holy Spirit was poured out to turn them into Acts chapter 1 8, you shall become my witnesses. And the charismatic, Pentecostal, spirit-filled church has taken a very selfish approach to the outpouring of the Spirit, and we like to have good experiences with God, but we don't like to take that experience and change somebody else's life with it. And it was the reason it was given. And so I want to set back fundamentally into motion why we must be spilled with spilled. I will preach too. Filled with the Spirit and spilled out on, on others. You can see that the Spirit's leading me already, okay? So the, the, the point is we must be filled with the Spirit because there's a purpose. There's a reason. It's not so we can walk out of here and go, man, I've had a great service. Damn, did you feel the room shaking? There's a reason we need the Holy Ghost. It's because in our city, they're trying to kill each other. In our city, they're sick with disease. In our city, there's depression and anxiety run amok. In our city, there's people who have no hope. That's right. And the people with hope refuse to give the hope because they just want to have a good time oh, at church. We need the power of God. God wants to be displayed. He wants to be manifested. Paul said, I don't come at you with fancy words, but I come at you with a demonstration of the Spirit of Christ. Yes. 
in this room are demonstrating the Spirit in their daily walk and in their daily life to other people? Who in this room is using the power that God put in you to show Him to the world? Come on. Who's doing this? This is why we were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me, let's read about it. So uh, whenever, whenever Peter healed this man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. He grabbed him by the hand, stood him up. He was healed, and then he began to, a crowd gathered, and he began to preach to them, and many of them got saved. Okay? This is how it was done when Jesus was ministering. He would do signs, wonders, and miracles. A crowd would gather. He would preach to them. They would get saved. Okay? There was a purpose in the miracles. Do I think Jesus wants to do miracles? Yes, I do. Do I think he wants to do miracles just because uh, you want a miracle? No. I think he wants to do miracles because I think he wants to display himself and he wants to see people come into the kingdom. And so the religious leaders are like, well, he's doing stuff we can't do. It makes us jealous. We don't like this. We're going to throw them in jail. So they got arrested. And then they had to release them because, uh, you know, they had to have a reason to keep them. And they, and they didn't have a reason to keep them. And they said, don't do this no more. Don't go around preaching this Jesus. Don't go around talking about God in our city. Don't go around being open and public about Christ. Keep it on the down low. Just do your, just do you, boo. Sorry, Matt. Just do your life, and 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 don't and don't don't just don't be too radical. Don't be too public with Jesus. Just don't try to ruffle the system. Just 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 go about your daily life. And so the scripture will pick it up right here. When they had been released, they went to their own companions. They went to the church. They went to uh, the gathering of the saints this t- in, a, in some place, some house where they were gathered, okay? And reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. They told us, they said, not to do this anymore. When they heard this, they raised their voices to God. What did you do when you raised your voice to God? It's called praying. So now they're in a state of prayer, Amen. They, with one mind and one accord, in, in the, in, because that's how they learned. That's when the Spirit come, with one mind. So with one mind, one accord, let's pray. They raise their voices to God. Lord, it is you who made heaven and earth and sea and everything that's in them. Who by the, everybody say it. Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, Why were the nations insolent? Why the people plotting in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27. Verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Stop. He recounts the gospel story. Herod, Pontius Pilate. Remember, these guys are having Jesus crucified, right? The Gentiles, the people of Israel. Verse 28. Pay close attention to this statement. To do whatever your hand and purpose predestined to occur. In other words, God from the very beginning had a plan. And he had an eternal purpose. And we don't mind looking at the Herods and the Pharaohs and the Judases 
and the Pontius Pilate and saying, in, the, in, in, in Israel, you guys were used as pawns by the sovereign God to fulfill a greater purpose. Right? God predestined. He had this plan. You're fulfilling prophecy and you don't even know it. And so we don't mind looking at the negative side of the equation and saying, God used you. God used you to, to fulfill his purpose. Now let's go forward. Verse 29. And now, Lord, they're praying, look at their threats and grant it to your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal, signs, wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, what were they praying for? They were praying for confidence to speak the name of Jesus boldly, to see signs and wonders and miracles happen. They were praying for this fire to to. to to ignite them on fire and just take Jesus out. They were told to don't do this or you're going to be arrested or even killed. They're going to try to kill him in a little bit, okay? Read the book of Acts. Everybody's got to try to be died, right? Okay? And so they're going to try to kill him in a little bit. And so, and so, and they're like, you know what? We got an option right here. We can close our mouth. We can enjoy the Holy Spirit. We can just kind of have our good services. Or... We can speak forth with confidence. Most of your Bible say boldness. Speak forth with boldness the word of God with demonstrations of power even if it costs us our life. They weren't praying to have a good service. Us Pentecostals read this verse and say, God, we want a service where the room shakes. Come on, raise your hand if you've ever prayed that prayer. Come on, don't lie in the house of God. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed the prayer. You want to be a part of a service where the room shakes. I've prayed that prayer. God, we want the room shaking service. You know how you get the room shaking service? Get your heart to where their heart was. There's God, come fill us with power to where we're so bold and full of confidence that we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles because we want people to come and fulfill the greater plan and purposes of heaven and earth. And God said, okay. Boom, room shakes, right? They gathered together, the room where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues and fall on the floor and just laugh and pray for one another and just, and just have a good old golly time. Nothing wrong with those things I just said except if that's all you do and you walk out of the door and we just had good church. The Spirit says that the place, the, the, the Bible says that the Spirit came in such power it shook the room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? Go speak the word with great boldness. There was a purpose in the sending of the Spirit. And it wasn't to have great church. I like good church. I like having good services. But if we have good services and it doesn't produce in us something that desires to change the world, what's the bigger purpose? We can
can look at the world and we can talk about selfishness in the world. And we can say, man, everything they do, they just do it for themselves. And everything's inward and they're inward focus. The church, especially the spirit-filled church, this has been us for so long. We just gather together in or outside of the public arena and have good services. And we just feel good at the end of the day. But it's, is it putting something inside of us that is causing us to change the world around us? That was the purpose. Acts 1.8. Wait till the Spirit comes on you and you'll be filled with power from on high to become a witness for my sake. Holy Spirit falls again. Acts chapter 4. They were filled with, again with the Holy Spirit so that they, then they, they went forth to speak the word boldly. Throw the picture up there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to brag on somebody in our church who's not here today. They're working out of state today. This is Kyle. This is him. This was a text message I got the other day. His wife was sitting in the car. He pulled over the car or something and went and prayed for this guy. Holy Spirit told him to go pray for this guy. This was what I was told in the text message. As a direct result, remember the day I preached on the, the love of the Father? Remember that? And God the Father and his love. Remember that? Do y'all remember anything? Okay. Remember that day? He got... He got so rocked in that service that he just felt good about himself for days and days and days. He got so rocked in that service, cried the entire that he wanted someone else to feel what he felt. As a preacher, as a pastor, as a church leader, I love it when you come and say, Chester, you preached such a good sermon, good job. Great, thumbs up. We had a good sermon. But the what I'm looking for, the fruit of the service, is not did it sound good, did it make me happy, did it make me feel good. The fruit of the service is did you walk out of that service and go do for another what God has done for me? That's the point of the Holy Ghost. When was the last time you experienced God? And you just didn't sit on it and go, man, that's great. That's cool. I feel better. He gave me a word. How many of y'all gave you a word recently? Oh, wow. There's no one in the church praying. How many of God gave you a word about something recently? Okay, good. That word was meant to edify you, build you up for the purpose of being the church. Well, you know, that's not really my calling and my gifting. That's the greatest lie the enemy has ever perpetrated against the body of Christ is that he would put the spirit of God inside of you, but it wasn't your job to go do something with the spirit. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell. Here he is, because he experienced Father's love in a service, he wanted to give Father's love out there. It reads a lot like the scripture I just shared with you. The Holy Spirit came, shook the whole building, and they went forth and spoke the word with boldness. Y'all with me? So part of the, the vision is this is a place where we gather and God comes and he rocks our world. He fills us with his power. He fills us with, he equips us. He encourages us for a reason, for a purpose. Even the scripture says that tongues is a sign to say like you know your Bible, a sign to. I don't think this is a hearing aid problem. I think this is a not answering problem. The scripture says tongues is a sign too. 
the unbeliever. Yet we only speak in tongues in. Yet we only prophesy in. Yet we only have words of wisdom and words. Jesus has words of knowledge over a woman at a well. She wasn't born again. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and the guy you're married to now ain't the one. But he, no, as a matter of fact, you ain't even married, are you? You know? Here's his word now. Look at me. Look at me. I think it's great that we come and we prophesy over one another. We pray for one another. We speak in tongues. We pray. We, 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 uh, we have words of wisdom over one another. I think it's great and we need that to build each other up. But I think the reason the Holy Spirit was given... It's real quiet in here today. I think the purpose the Holy Spirit was put inside of our heart was to take the demonstration of God to the world. And I'm telling you, one fundamental shift as a church we have to make is we have to see God's pouring out. Let's define revival. Revival is not a set of good services. Revival is not a set of good services. Revival is not an extended set where a, a, a speaker has a good time and we all just have good church services for ways and, and he preaches good sermons. That's not revival. Revival is when something that was dead, this case the church, comes alive again. And the church that was dead, who is now alive, starts doing what the church was purposed to do, which is to be the demonstration of God in his power and the witness in its place where it's planted and it grows. Make sense? That's what revival is. Why we need revival? Because we don't need revival because people are bad out there. We need revival because we're apathetic and lethargic in here. We need revival because I, I need I need and I should have to have an entire slideshow of pictures. That makes sense. So y'all take photos of each other praying for people out there, and we can so you can make it on the board on Sunday morning, okay? But the point is, is like this should be part of the daily walk. Next verse is Peter. Uh, well, first of all, a couple of people died for lying to the Holy Spirit, and that's another subject. But then Peter's walking, and people were so, look at me, people were so amazed at the power of God that they started to believe. Not Peter, not Peter organizing anything. The people out there, the lost, the hurting, the dying, they started to believe that if we could get near these people, something good will happen to us. So they started lining people up on the street who were sick and Peter would walk by and his shadow was healing the sick. And the scripture says that religious people got angry. And so they, what did they do? They arrested them again. This time they're big mad. Okay? Right, Ethan? They're big mad. They're not just sort of mad. Let's go to verse um, chapter 5, verse 27. The scripture says, when they had brought them, they had them stand before the council, the high priest, interrogated them, saying, we gave you strict orders. This is not what you're supposed to do. Not to continue teaching in the name. And this is what I would love to hear spoken over this church. And yet, you have filled out <laughs> and yet, 
You. And yet, you have filled El Dorado with the teaching of Jesus. Whose job is it? If the city is going to be filled with the knowledge of God, if the city is going to be filled with the knowledge of God, it's going to come from your lips. It's going to come from your hands. It's going to come from your action and your activity. But if all the spiritual activity we ever have is in the privacy of our house and in the privacy of this gathering, we're doing something wrong. We're doing something very, very wrong. Does not look like the early church. Looks like a modern church who's lost her way. But the early church was full of power. And they said, dude, you're messing this whole city up. (laughs) We need a people who will fill El Dorado with the teaching of Jesus Christ. But you, you want me to, like, talk to people? That whole section right there, you mean I have to go, you know, it's really a testimony to the lack of power in this meeting. Because when you really get moved by God, you don't act like it's a burden to share him. You want to share him. You want to talk to your friends at work. Here's the the greatest thing that bothers me. It's It's not that we see other people and go, I want to pray for them. I just don't really, not sure if I should right now. It's that we're not even thinking, I want to pray for them anymore. When you're seeing people at work, when you're seeing people at your job, when you're seeing people around the city, when was the last time you felt unction and movement from God to go do something and minister on, the, on their behalf? And if you say, well, I can't remember, that, that's, that's the part that scares me. Are we going to invite them to church? No, the Holy Spirit filled the room. They had a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit filled the room, and they went out and spoke the word with great boldness. They were in an upper room. They had a prayer meeting. In the upper room, the Holy Spirit came, and they went out and started preaching sermons, and people, thousands of people were getting saved. The church in here is meant to encourage one another, build each other up, to keep doing this. Don't grow weary in well-doing. He who knows you do good and does not do it is. This place isn't the place to bring the lost. This place is the place to strengthen the church, to go to the lost. The Great Commission isn't go throughout all the nations and bring people to the house of God. No, the, the, the Great Commission is you go make disciples and baptize them in the name of, and, and, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. You're the church. You're The Holy Spirit put himself in you for a purpose. I'm glad you feel good. I'm glad that you want to hold. How many of y'all, you pray and and, and it builds you up and you feel good, right? That's great. That's awesome. But there was a reason you needed to be built up, not just to feel good, not just to not feel anxiety or not feel pressure or not feel whatever. The reason he filled you up and he built you up was to go be the person of God he created you to be. 
He filled you with his power because he wants to show his power to the world. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very nice, and, and I'm not trying to be, I may sound real, but I'm trying to say this. If it's, been, it's been, if it's been a long time since out in the community, outside of a church setting, that you've laid hands on somebody and prayed for them, that is a problem we must fix now. This should be the regular occurrence of the spirit-filled believer. Prophesying to people. Laying hands on people and praying for people. Ministering to people in whatever the way the spirit leads. What do I do? Be led by the spirit. Okay, that's what, what I do. See, we like formulas, right? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to find the scrankliest, dirty-looking person at Walmart you can find. You're going to walk up to them. You're going to hand them a track. You're going to explain to them the track. Then you're going to say to the track, uh, do you want to be saved? And they say, no. You're going to say, well, I tried, and I persecuted for the gospel. No, you're going to go find somebody and go, well, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit's going to impress you what to do, and you have to obey. Yeah. We like to be filled with the Spirit when it makes us feel good. We don't like to be filled with the Spirit when it makes us step out in faith and do something. And option B was the real reason why we're spilled with the Spirit. I mean, let me just go on. Verse, uh, verse 28, verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. What does it mean to obey God? What does it mean to obey God? Does it mean to hold our Judeo-Christian values and not let them go? Why does it mean to obey God? It literally means I won't shut my mouth. I will keep speaking about who he is in the city. They were told to be silent. They said to obey God means not to be silent. We don't need a system of religion to tell us to be quiet. We're not speaking. Actually, it is a system of religion over the age that teaches us we don't have to speak. We just bring people to a gathering where we pay the guy to speak. Peter said, we must obey. And what are you saying? I will die to obey God rather than obey man. Where's that sense of urgency inside of us? I'd rather die obeying God. Okay, let's go on. Verse 30. Verse 30. Verse 30. Let's keep on going. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you crucified. Um. Whom he put to death by hanging him on a cross. Verse 31. He is the one whom God has exalted the right hand as prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel. Repentance. Who would have thought? And forgiveness of sin. Verse 32. And we. Come on, say we. we. Are witnesses. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. You're a witness, and the Holy Spirit was given to be a? Acts 1-8 again. Second time. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in the early church and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in this church is to make us into witnesses of these things. What am I witnessing about? Don't tell me, how did God change your life? Well, you know, I'm, I, used to be a, I used to do drugs, and I don't do drugs anymore. You can't tell somebody that. I used to be full of depression and shame and anxiety and worry and fear and now I'm free and you can't you can't tell us you can't be a, that's the Holy Spirit's a witness and He made you a witness. 
And I'm saying, if I, if I said all the things that were happening in church on a, on a scale, a graph, you know, we do 70% singing, 80% preaching, 60% praying, right? 50% um, offerings. We do all these things. What, how high is the bar of witnessing? You mean you want me to be a witness? Yes, and the scripture wants you to be a witness. You mean I have to go knock on doors? I don't care what you do, just be a witness. You say, well, that's not my calling. That's baloney. That's a lie from hell to get you not to do something, and it's working. Isn't it? If you've ever said it's not my calling to witness, you don't understand what the calling of God is. It's better to obey God rather than man. Well, you, mean, you mean I have to just like go walk to somebody and tell them about Jesus? No, don't. Treat it like some kind of formulatic um, thing that has to be done. Start living your life full of the Spirit, and wherever the Holy Spirit highlights something to you, go do it. And if the Spirit's not highlighting to you something, then that means you're not in the Spirit. Because the Spirit has an agenda. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He wants to use you to touch other people. And if you're not seeing something, if you're not seeing spiritual things happening in your life, it means you're not tapping into the spirit. Because if you're tapped into the spirit, you would be seeing spiritual things happening in your life. Does that make sense? Because the spirit has an agenda. He wants to use you. You mean I should just call somebody up randomly and pray for them? Yes. Call, walk, talk, text, message, uh, whatever. Uh, I don't suggest members of the opposite sex sending messages on Facebook. That gets weird fast, okay? But anywhere you go. I mean, when's the last time? If, 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 if I said to you, um, when's the last time you prayed for anybody? If you witnessed anybody, if you gave a word to anybody, if you prophesied over me, last time you did this, if you don't want to come answer the question, that's the part of the problem. That's the part of the thing we have to get fixed. There is a purpose. The armory is an equipping station to equip you to do what? And look at me. We can, we can sit here and we can go. We can sit here and we can go. Well, they're trying to kill each other in our city. Well, I guess we should just pray. Well, what do we need to pray? That they wouldn't kill each other? That's not the prayer they prayed. The prayer they prayed was that God would fill us with boldness to go talk to people. And it shook the place. The prayer you pray isn't that God would change their heart. The prayer you pray that God would change your heart to go change somebody else's heart. You mean you want me to go talk to some people in the street? Yes. You want me to talk to people at work? Yes. You want me to talk to people in my family who aren't saved? Yes. You want me to talk? Yes. We're witnesses. And so is the Holy Spirit. If I said to you, what's the Holy Spirit's job? Witness wouldn't make the top ten list. We talk about his comfort. We talk about all the different things, but none of us think first, Holy Spirit's job is witnesser. We haven't been taught to think that way. I'm going to finish this couple of verses. Verse verse 33. No, yeah. When they heard this, they became infuriated. This is the, um, the religious leaders and decided to kill them, execute them, just like they did Jesus. Gamal, um, you know, um, he's an interesting character. Look him up sometime. Gamal 
uh, he, he, he says, you know what, guys, before we kill them, let's think about this for a second. Uh, instead of killing them, uh, let's not kill them because if we kill them, it might incite a riot. And if it is God in them, then we can't really stop it by killing them. We'll just add fuel to the fire. But if it's not God, it'll just fizzle out, so let's just leave it alone. Okay? And so we pick up the story again in verse 30, 40. They followed his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. And ordered them to stop speaking. The irony is the early church, you couldn't stop them from speaking. In today's church, we can't get you to speak. And not only this, they would speak when it meant, A, they were probably going to die. At worst, at best, we're just going to get flogged. Tell me, Christian, conservative Christian, what's the point in fighting for religious freedom that we don't even exercise as use? What's the point of being all politically fired up to fight for religious freedom that we don't even take advantage of? We have the freedom to speak his name boldly in wherever we want, except we only do it at church and in our house. So here... Here it goes. It says, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Listen. And then they released them. So now they're released. Look at me all across the room. They're released. Bruises and beatings on their back. And the scripture says they were very downcast and upset. And didn't know if they could continue the fight. Now, the scripture doesn't say that at all. The scripture says they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy enough. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy enough. To suffer. What's another word for shame? Embarrassment. You ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I'm embarrassed to talk to people. It's not the idea of getting over embarrassment. It's the idea of being considered worthy enough to experience embarrassment on his behalf. The driving force isn't, I won't be embarrassed. The driving force is, he's worthy of whatever happens. My death, my flogging, or my shame and my embarrassment. He's worthy of it all. We sang the song this morning, right? We talked about exalting Christ and Christ alone, and he's worthy and holy and all this kind of stuff. Is he, he's worthy of our song, but is he worthy of our speaking? Is he worthy of our talking? 
Is he, is he worthy enough to gather on a Sunday and sing songs to him in his brain? But is he worthy for you to be by yourself on a Monday talking to a co-worker about Jesus? God, I, think, I think honestly that in his ears is just as much worship as this song we bring in here. They were rejoicing. Yeah, ow, oh, ow, yay, ow, oh, yes, praise God. Oh, that hurt. Lash 37 really stung. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Verse 42, and every day, and this is our church. This is the new reality of church at the armory. Look at me. And every day, this is where, this is what, this is a staple verse God has told me to build this church off of. In the temple, in a large gathering, and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They kept doing that to the point the religious leaders said, stop, you're filling our whole city with the teaching of Jesus. Throw Kyle's picture back up there. What's revival look like? What's the church look like? If I said, give me a picture of the church, most of us would think to take a picture of this service right here first. This, is, this isn't a picture of the church. This is the training. This is the equipping. This is where we come to get filled up, encouraged. I don't feel very encouraged. You're yelling at me. This is where we come to get encouraged. To get this picture. One of the last sermons I preached at the other building was a sermon about creating stories. Remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that sermon. It's time for us to, to create a story. You cannot create a story by sitting in the safety and comfort of a church service, in the safety and comfort of our home, and not going out and allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us in somebody else's life. Some of the greatest stories I have, stories of God showing up, and some of the great stories where <laughs> they laughed and mocked at me, they're cool stories too. These great stories are only whenever I gave a chance for God to be put on display. Raise your hand if you've ever talked to somebody about Jesus and they totally rejected you and laughed in your face. Come on, raise your hand, great. Isn't that cool? That's not cool. They hurt my feelings. No, it's cool to be counted worthy, to suffer shame for his name. Yeah? This is the church. That's the church. I love when we gather together. I love when we encourage one another. This service has been great. Last service has been great. The service for that has been great. But the one thing that has really lit a fire inside my spirit was a picture 
of a guy who got touched by the Father's heart and said to be touched is not enough. I don't even think he thought it through, honestly. I don't even think he processed it with the idea of, you know, that was a cool service. Maybe I should go with it. I think he was so full of what God had done in his heart that day, it just came out of him. There's a guy. I'm going to go pray for him right now. Stand up on your feet. The Holy Spirit has a purpose. What I'm trying to do is to tell us today, Chester doesn't want to have good services. That's not what I said. I want to have great services. Look at me. I want us to have services so powerful the room shakes. I want to see crazy miracles, signs, and wonders that people in our community go, did you hear about? I want all those things to happen. But it is not so we can draw a big crowd and have great church. There is a purpose. When I was in high school, senior in high school, there was a girl that sit about right there. Man, I'm a Christian. They asked me to pray at the graduation. I'd only lived there a year and a half. And they, I was so living my faith out loud after living there a year and a half, they asked me to pray at the graduation. And there was this girl that sat right across the aisle. And I always felt like I need to talk to her about Jesus. And I would just kind of brush it off. I need to talk to her about Jesus. I'd kind of brush it off. Here I am, a young man, called to the ministry, and about to go to Bible school. To the Browns Revival, the big Bible school. About two weeks before we left for Bible school on a Wednesday night, another teenager came in and said, did you hear about that girl? She committed suicide. And my initial thought wasn't one of, man, I hope her family's okay, and man, I hope this is okay. My initial thought is, how many times did I ignore what the Holy Spirit put on my heart to do I didn't talk to her about Jesus. And I'm not saying this to try to create some kind of weird melodramatic moment. I'm saying when we stand before God, us as believers will experience a judgment. And we will be given rewards. Amen? And those rewards aren't based upon how much time we spent at church. Is that what did you do with the Holy Spirit I put inside of you? Right? What did you do with the God I put inside of you? Were you faithful to my word? Here's what I'm saying. I want revival. And I want revival in us to look like people saying, you guys need to calm down. Uh, you're kind of filling this whole city with that stuff you're teaching over there. You mean Jesus? 
I want us to experience the power of God to the point we must share it. Speak in tongues, prophesy, worship in the spirit, have words of wisdom, do all, fall on the floor, get back up, fall down again. Get it all. As long as that means you leave and you are burning and sharing Jesus. We must obey God rather than men. The men in this day isn't some evil president saying stop preaching the gospel. The men in this day is this mindset, this attitude that the gospel isn't shared by my mouth. It's shared by somebody else's mouth in the church program. You hear me? Every person in this room. Chester, you're being hard on us today. Yes, I am. I'm trying to tell you right up front. All of our job in this room is the responsibility to take this Holy Ghost. Imagine God saying, I gave you the most powerful uh, uh, entity ever known to man, and you sat on it. Pray for somebody. I don't care if you're 12 years old and you're a teenager at school. I don't care if you're 120 years old. And, and I saw a picture the other day where, where a couple went to, an, uh, to visit an, an elderly person and they were on their knees and that elderly person was laying hands on them and praying for them. You're never too old to pray for somebody. Are you? You're never too young to pray for somebody, are you? Pray for people. Love on people. Raise your hand if you've experienced God at any point in the last, I don't know, six years. What are you doing with it? Amen? Last week, there was a young man here. Uh, what was his name? Nathan? Huh? Yeah? Nick. Young man named Nick here. Because somebody in this church, Chris Loggins, decided to invite him. Sees him at Goodwill, because Chris lives at Goodwill. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If somebody's coming to our gathering, it's because you invite them. Is that true? If somebody doesn't come to our gathering, it's because... Chris is not scary. That kid wasn't scared. He came because he wanted to come. Because somebody asked him, go do the church stuff. Pray for people. Do you want to come to my house and let's have coffee? I had another preacher in town invite me to his house to give me coffee because he wanted to talk about God. Isn't that weird? I'm not letting some stranger in my house. Verse 42, every day in the temple and house to house. Look at me. I'm not trying to be, I thank God, I thank God that that shooting got stopped the other night at the fair. So let's say, all, everybody say amen. amen. But look at me, if something like that happens, most of us will blame politics. And we should look right here first. And go, what are we doing 
What are we doing as the church to stop this stuff in our... Whose city is this? Come on. Whose city is this? It's ours. It's God's city entrusted to our care. We, if we want something done, let's do something in the spirit realm. Amen? Pray for somebody, witness to somebody, love on somebody. You see somebody who needs something. Uh, this is a hilarious story. One more, one more story, I'm done. I had to call the police, and it, I felt bad, but we had a guy at the old building. The last week we were at the old building, and he started a fire behind the dumpster. And how many of you know it's dry out there? And, like, stuff is burning rapidly, Right? Matter of fact, and we was in Hot Springs this weekend, and, and, and over by, by Lowe's, the woods caught on fire because somebody threw a cigarette out there. It's that, it's that dry in Arkansas right now. It's a drought. Pray for rain. Amen? And this guy had started a fire because he was cooking himself some food. All right? And, um, and, well, you can't be starting a fire on private property. I don't care if you sit over there and eat your food, but please don't start a fire. And so, and so I called, and I knew they were going to have to bring a police truck and all this, or a fire truck. So I called over there and said, hey, there's a guy who started a fire. Can you, get, can you come out here and come put this fire up? And, and so that's what we did. And, I, and me and Cleegie, we felt bad. And so, um, so, um, so we took this, uh, this bag. Cleegie had these go bags. If you ever run across somebody, you want to give them something, you don't have anything to give them, go find Cleegie. She'll give you something for you to give them. And we gave him a go bag. This is the irony. He was built a fire to cook himself some ramen noodles. And they took his fire away so he couldn't have his ramen noodles. But Cleegie in the go bag gave him more ramen noodles. Good job, Cleegie. So the irony is whatever takes away, God will give you back. That'll preach, right? <clears throat> I love praying in tongues. I love prophesying. I love us being used by the Holy Spirit to be the church. Let's do that. Amen. I, I'm a, I want to say, are y'all going to do that? And then it makes them say, it's my prayer that God would so get a hold of you, you can't be quiet. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Go forth and be the church.